All right, guys, we're live, and uh, I'm very excited about this next guest I have on the show today, Faria Ibrahim, and she is the owner of Hudson Edge Real Estate. Faria is an absolute champion. She owns and manages over or close to or over at this point, $100 million in real estate. And her, I think probably one of the best things that they do and that she does and her team does is they really take non-performers uh, non and turns them into winners. And uh, she's actually arguably the most fashionable commercial real estate investor <clears throat> on the planet. And uh, she also owns her own clothing boutique. She is multidimensional. Faria, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for the kind words. A absolutely. Intro. <laughs> absolutely. It's all it's all deserved. You know, before we get started and before you go into talking about, you know, who you are and what you do, because I, I do want you to go into that because it's important. Uh, people need to hear your story. Why? You know, you have this you have this beam, I feel like, of light. You have an aura about you. And uh, I've, I've seen it. Because I like to think I have a little touch of it, but I, I've come in contact with you, and I feel like you you're able to attract like a laser beam the things that you want, and uh, and you know maybe that's investors, that's real estate deals, that's money, that's it's relationships. Am I right by thinking that? Do you feel like you have something special? Um. I don't know about aura, but I guess so. I, I guess it's something that others can tell me whether or not I do. But um, you know, I I I I can't say I don't. Um, I can't say I'm not blessed to like you know be able to attract those though. I believe it. I think you have it. You got it. I know you. It's not. I think I know. I know you do. But I, I also think it comes from a focus that you have. Like you can you can kind of tell that this person's absolutely focused. Or is it obsessed? Do you think you're obsessed or do you think you're focused or do you think you're both? Borderline obsessed, <laughs> I would say. I love yeah, it. Definitely. I love it. No, and uh, and I really believe that. I believe that for this, to be a winner in this game, because there's so many different directions you can get pulled in, right? And, and that's what I'm, one of the things I want to talk to you about is with – what Hudson Edge is looking at when you're looking at deals, and again, guys, Faria is a commercial real estate investor. She also she owns her own brokerage. Um, she's she is a uh, she's also a real estate. I mean, obviously a real estate investor, but she 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 is not. Uh, she's very familiar with being a realtor as well. Do you think being a realtor or being like having that brokerage helps you kind of talk to other brokers? Do you think that's a big advantage that you have over other investors? So just to correct, I actually don't have a brokerage yet. Ah, okay. Yeah, I do have my license in New York. License. That's what I'm sorry. Correct. Yes, that's right. It I mean. is. Uh, it, it's hung, uh, hung under other brokerage right now. So I, it definitely does give you an edge. Um, however, I don't think you necessarily need it. You know, I don't focus on the real realtor side. The reason I chose to get my license is because I was getting a lot of uh, leads that wasn't necessarily fitting my criteria. You know, because we're always marketing and then we're getting a lot, a lot of leads and um, the ones that was not fitting my criteria, you know, I was kind of referring them out to others anyway. So I just figured it just makes sense for me to get the license and get some 
uh, referral fees from those. So that's really why I chose to get my license. However, I don't think you necessarily need it, but if you do have it, I think it certainly gives you an edge. Okay, so for the people listening, guys, you don't need a license. It, it may be a benefit potentially, but you definitely don't need a, a, a licensed real estate agent to be, or even a licensed commercial real estate agent to do commercial deals. I think a lot of the licensed commercial agents have never even done a real estate uh, commercial deal, you know, at least from my experience, my limited experience. So when you got started, so, you, you know, you're, listen, you should be in com a computer engineer. What are you doing here? You should be at, uh, you know, a computer or Silicon Valley or, or even because after that, right, you get your MBA and then you go and you start day trading. You should either be in Silicon Valley or Wall Street. What are you doing here? Well, so, uh, you know, coming from our background, like Southeast Asian, you know, unless uh, you probably heard this, you know, unless you go to like law school or medical school or engineering school, it's pretty much like you're not doing much. So <laughs> I think I did go to, you know, my, uh, the engineering school just kind of to satisfy that, um, I guess that uh, whole what would I say? Like more decisive by my parents, really. Like, you know, they just needed that or they sure. just kind of wanted that. And I just felt like, hey, it's always a backup. Why not? Okay. But it was never my passion. Um, I, I Did was you know right away? Did you know right away I that that's right just away. not something you wanted to do? I knew before I even kind of started, honestly. <laughs> I wanted to give it a shot anyway, you know, and if I sure. was going to do it, I wanted to do it a challenging one just to just prove myself, really. Um, and then I, I really wanted to be in fashion. So mm. that was, my, that's, that's what uh, my passion was. And then as soon as I, or actually when I was in school, I already started from my passion line and all that. So um, I, I did that and I was uh, kind of fascinated with the day, tra day trading world too. So I got yeah, into so that. Why? why was that fascinating? say exactly why but one of the reasons though was I was you know I, I could do it from home and I I actually had my children very like right out of college so it was important to me I did <clears throat> I did not want to go in and I wanted to be obviously home with my children at that time so that was one of the things I could have done while at home um so that was that that's how I got started on that and okay, I got it. kind of looking into the real estate as well, world as well. I kind of always what I always knew I wanted to be in real estate. I just didn't know where or how to start. Do you think the day trading allowed you to be better at looking at the numbers when you're analyzing a deal, or is that not? I don't think it really helped with analyzing. Um, okay. One thing it did help with is the risk factor because you mm. do have to be. Um, you know, what one of the classes when you take uh, or one of the, um, yeah, it is actually one of the classes that you have to take when you learn from day trading that I, I went to have this, I just did a weekend class. Uh, one of the things that teaches you is the more like controlling your emotion when, you know, when the line starts going down and, you know, you start losing your money, you really have to know where to stop or how to control that. So that did help that does train your emotion. Like if I'm in a risky deal or like maybe that did uh, help me with taking riskier deals right now. Yeah. I think there's a, that level of uh, like discomfort that you have to be okay with and you have to familiarize right. yourself with that. Right. I, I don't think a lot of people can handle that Faria. That is true. 
I do jump into deals a lot, especially in the beginning. I think I've gotten a little bit more safer now, but in the beginning, I've kind of jumped into a lot of riskier deals than I do now, certainly. Yeah, and I got to give you credit because for a number of reasons, but a lot of it has to do with your confidence. Where do you get that from? Because it makes sense. You're obviously a very highly educated, you are, you've, you've come from that background of like, my work ethic is going to speak for itself. But do you think it's because you stuck with things, even though you necessarily didn't want to do them, but you finished it out? Do you think that is a hidden confidence booster? Like you had your own personal victories that gave you that confidence to jump into things now? I think it's more of I don't give myself excuses. So that's mm. one thing I, because one thing like, you know, as being a female in commercialist is very male dominated industry. And I don't like you know, I, I kind of, sometimes I do have to work extra harder, but I don't think I give myself or I separate myself or I give myself that excuse that, oh, it didn't happen because of so-and-so or this and that. It's, it's like, okay, where did I go wrong? And let me fix it. It's not giving, you know, excuses like, hey, it didn't happen because I was a female or this, or because I'm a mother, or I don't know. Like, you know, I, I just hear a lot of excuses um, from and that's not just from females. I'm just saying, I just hear a lot of excuses, a lot of investors, a lot of uh, realtors or whatnot. Oh, it didn't happen because of this and that. And I just feel like, you know, you just can't give yourself the excuses. That, Guys, that go back and listen to that. Go back and listen to that because that is so important. The no excuses mentality. And it's it can be a way out for people when they go, well, you know, I am a mother, I've had, or, you know, I'm a stay at home mother in this case. And uh, I have to, you know, be here. And oh, by the way, this is a male dominated industry. But what I think, and I think what you can do is you can use it to your advantage. Because a lot of these people, they have no clue uh, on some of those aspects. And I think when people see, and I'm speaking for myself, right? But if I saw somebody who got through those things and continues to do them, that's where you go, this person's a winner because it's so, you see so many people not go that way and they, you know, they'll use that as an excuse. And it's a valid excuse, by the way, where you can see how people go, you know, yeah, I get it. You know, you can say that back to somebody, you go, yeah, I get it. It's tough. But because you do, I think that gives you the edge that people go, wow, a champion. Want to talk to her, right? I want to be around this person, and I think that's the aura. I think that's the where the 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 this, the laser of attraction comes from is is from that because people can sense that, but also because you already done it and you know in your and you know uh, deep down that you got through some shit. So it's like, bring it on, bring it on. Exactly. <laughs> You're right on point. I love it. I love it. So, all right, going back. So you, you get your computer engineering degree, you get your MBA, um, you're, you're doing the day trading. Did you have, I'm, I'm, I'm really, uh, I actually did my MBA afterwards. I, I went back after, um, so I, I finished my college. I okay. had my children right up the bat. Um, and then I did day, day trading and fashion kind of simultaneously at the same oh, time. Okay. And then I started in real estate. I, I was doing my, um, well, I was doing residential. I'm still doing some residential. And uh, then I went back and finished my MBA. It was okay. funny because I was taking my dog because MBA classes are all in the evening. So I was taking my girls and they would sit in the back. 
<laughs> insane. But you know, it's a it, it is what it is. But um, so yeah. That's another thing that you kind of put yourself out there. Like that's tough to do, bringing your daughters to the to the class because you know people are looking, going, "What the heck is going on?" <laughs> then you're like, "I don't care. I'm getting the job done." <laughs> um, I love it. So so take me back to your first deal. So take me back to your first commercial deal. Um, really quick though, even before that, what brought you to the commercial side of real estate? Because obviously residential, uh, you can have a ton of success. You know, there's a, especially in where you are, because Faria, where are you guys for, for, uh, for the audience listening? I'm in New Jersey. You're in New Jersey, right. So why commercial real estate and then go into your first transaction commercially? Sure. Um, I, I mean, I got into the residential in uh, just to get into the commercial. So I always wanted to be on the development side, frankly, like I, I wanted to do the development in New York. That was ultimately what I wanted to do. And, you know, I haven't done development in New York yet, but ultimately that's the goal. Um, but in order to get, yeah, in order to get there, I just didn't know where to start in the commercial in the beginning. So I started in residential. But, you know, I, I actually started in commercial after I met Scott, which, you know, um, but before that, you know, I was trying to like find different networking groups that, you know, other investors that might be in commercial or whatnot. And I just didn't have a lot of opportunity in Jersey that I could find to do that. So once I started being part of the group, that really helped me to kind of open up my eyes and learn the language of commercial real estate, because that's really important, especially when you're talking to brokers, when you're talking to sellers, it's, uh, you know, the ultimate, like the technique is same, but the language is different. So that really did help. Um, as far as my first transaction, I um, actually found it right off of um, Lupin. And it was in Jersey, so it was a little uh, retail deal, not not really big one. But um, I, I was just looking into like all the websites, like Praxy, LoopNet, um, even Craigslist, or you know whatnot, Facebook marketing. And uh, I found that deal. I went, uh, you know, I went and met the seller and uh, kind of started negotiating numbers. Then I brought in uh, I brought in a partner from Commercial Academy, actually that did partner with me in that deal and uh, i ended up having some finders equity um as well as i did put in some um fun to it but you know it was uh it was a single tenant that leased back the seller actually leased back and the idea was to subdivide it have multi-tenants and ultimately you know the value would we bought it for nine hundred thousand. We put in really nothing into it probably about 30 something and it uh it would value over $2 million had wow. we completely filled it out. But um, we were, once we finished the work, as far as like doing the subdivision, because it took a little bit longer, and then we, we were getting a lot of traction from tenants, but then COVID hit. So we actually found, uh, we were just on market for lease, but we found its uh, owner user that wanted to purchase it. So we ended up selling it vacant uh, for 1.6, which is not bad, but, um, at the same time, it was, um, if we held it, we could have done be better probably, but you know, it, when you make money, it's never a loss, but we like just figured, we just, we just, we just were in uncertainty during COVID, right? So we exactly, we exactly. Yeah. Guys, did you just hear that? I mean, she just kind of skipped over the fact that they made a quick, not quick, I'm sure there was, but a quick, you know, 500 to $600,000. Um, okay. So let's, I want to dig into this a bit. So you know, Faria, you, you first off, you talk about your 
you, you, you educated yourself on this, right? Uh, it's really nice that you actually knew a little bit of beforehand when you were getting into real estate that you wanted the development side. A lot of people, you know, maybe not have that, but you know, she knew, and that's a big part of this is kind of being focused. Like I said, in the beginning, she's focused, she's obsessed. She's a little bit of both. And that's why she's a winner, but she finds the deal through LoopNet, where everybody says is the graveyard of deals. But I like what you did. And, and, and I want to really talk about this is that you talk directly to the seller. Yes. I think a lot of people don't are scared of that. They think that they, well, I need to talk to their broker or, oh, geez, I got, no, guys, you got to go right after it and talk to the person that's going to make the decision. Um, obviously, that allowed you to get the job done, right? Do you believe like, hey, do you, I mean, did they say they, they had some people reaching out to them? But it was probably a lot of brokers who wanted to relist it. It wasn't someone looking to buy. Is that fair to say? That is fair to say i mean I, th I think one of the reasons they probably haven't gotten a lot of traction is because the the picture <laughs> like you know the seller posted the picture it was really absolutely the worst terrible picture you can post like i scrolled through it first time and i'm like eh. and then i'm like you know i know the address you know and the, the good thing is this was in my backyard so i knew the market so that's you know somebody who's starting off it's always great to start in your backyard um even though you know i've, I've been in several states but my first deal was here and um that helped, you know, that helped that I knew that, you know, this address is good. It's a really signalized intersection that had 50,000 traffic counts. So the visibility was incredible. And when you're looking at retail, visibility is very, very important. So I knew those things that, you know, they, they all pencils out. It's a matter of the number and the lease terms because the seller was going to lease back. So, yeah, I just went for it. You know, I just, I literally just, I, I found it like 3 a.m. I called them up next morning, I don't know, 9 o'clock. I went and saw it at like same day and... It worked out. <laughs> work ethic out of just out of the out of this world work ethic. I mean, you think about it because, you know, you're up at three, you're looking at deals, you're calling them the next morning. But here's a slick trick that she just said, guys, if you're not listening. And by the way, you should be really, really focus in on this because this was a really slick trick. And she almost bypassed this and, and that would have been a it would have been a huge loss. She looked she said the bad pictures. So when you're on LoopNet and you see people or you're on, you know, the MLS or you're on Zillow, whatever, and you see bad pictures, that, that already, that smells like amateur. Okay. That just smells amateur and that smells like a deal can be made. Um, so, so that is a huge thing that she just said, you know, look at the, look just for stuff that doesn't seem right. You know, a, a missing picture, missing information, just sloppiness. Cause that just, that just sounds like bad management. It sounds like probably the owner operator doesn't really have it together. And so that's where deals are made are through those kinds of things. So that's, that was huge. I'm really glad she said that. So, and oh, by the way, she was able to get, it sounds like you said the lease back. So I'm sorry, that wasn't any seller finance, but they're just, they're leasing it back to you after you bought it. Okay. So there's your tenant right there. Is that right? It is. It was a little bit more than that. We did get seller financing on it also. Awesome. <laughs> so it was kind of like everything in my first deal. I had a lease back. I had a seller financing. It, I mean, the terms were okay. Um, and then um, they, yeah, he, he, the good part was that he was willing to sign a 10-year lease, even though he may or may not have stayed that long, that way we could have refinanced. Oh, I love that. So, so yeah, there was a few things that worked out in our favor in that.
And because fortune yeah, favors the bold. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it, fortune. It doesn't favors. work out that easy for. I mean, I, I wouldn't. It was easy, but you know, it was a lot of negotiation, obviously, going on. But uh, you know, it, not not every seller is willing to play ball. So I wouldn't get discouraged if that doesn't happen for every deal for everyone. Yeah, and uh, it, but guys, you you deserve the wins when they come, right? Because we, you know, it's. I was just thinking about this. I saw this video, Faria, and maybe and maybe you have something to say, or maybe you just agree or, or disagree. But when we take these no's, right? Because you, you guys, this is a no. It's a heavy no business. Um, when you're taking the no's, and then you get to that yes, the those no's still equal out when you get that yes to money. So when you get that no, just know that okay, that was a that was money. That was a that was a closed deal and I I'm, I'm getting paid on that in a way because I need to get 99 more of these so that I can get to that 100th where it's the yes. So that no is really not a no. It's just your next step to the yes and if you think like that, you're going to you're going to be fine. You're going to be a what are your thoughts on that Faria? Like how many no's do you have to take, right? I totally agree. You know, it's it's not always. I think every every note, like you just said, you know, it gets one step closer to the next yes. So I hundred percent agree on that. And it's 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 a matter of not taking it personal. You know, the seller doesn't probably know you. It's not a personal thing. It's not personal, guys. It's never it's personal. Business. It's business, and and people understand that. So, all right. And one of the things that Faria said as well, and I I really believe this. If you are looking to get into something that's like a commercial real estate or something that's just new in general, you want to uh, be a part or you want to surround yourself with people who are doers, who are action takers. So she had mentioned Scott. Scott Shield is the uh, the owner, the you know the, the 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 man in charge of the commercial academy, and it's a great team. I'm also a part of that, and uh, you know doing this podcast is my own way of learning from champions like Faria, but there's, it's a great group of people. So find a group of people who want to see everybody win. Uh, you really want to have a win-win group. And, uh, and that's what this is because as Faria said, she finds the deal and she brought somebody in from that group. And, uh, and now I'm sure you guys have done plenty of deals together from that point on. So, yeah. all right. So you do that deal, you get this unbelievable momentum because now, hey, I did what I said I was going to do. I'm, in, I'm I'm doing commercial deals. It closed. I just made a ton of money. So now, what happens? What what, what do you what what happens next? And then where do you want this thing to go? So going back to your, um, you know, what you just said, surround yourself. You know, Tony Robbins always says proximity is power. So you know that's so important to surround yourself with the right like-minded people. So that I totally agree with. Um, your first deal is always the hardest deal, especially in commercial estate, because brokers can be, you know, very tough on you, especially, you know, because they don't get paid until you close. So, you know, it's understandable. They don't want to spend a lot of time with somebody who's amateur, who's not going to close ultimately or doesn't have the capability. So it's difficult until you have your first deal or something under your portfolio to be able to um not to be able to talk to the brokers, but you know, being able to be the first one on their list to get the get the um, deals. So yes. you know, that's the, as soon as you close on one, and you know, you have uh, partnerships who has other deals, it really becomes a lot easier for you to speak to the brokers that you know, this is what I'm looking for. And every time I have a deal that I don't want to do, now I'm getting better at my on my criteria. So the more um, fine-tuned criteria you have 
the easier it is for you to get the deals. So that's something, you know, even I knew I wanted to be in the development, uh, but when I started in commercial, you know, I, I've tried all categories. I've tried, you know, many different states. I'm currently nine states, but, you know, I'm trying to stay closer to home now because my girls are older. I want to spend more time with them. Uh, but I kind of needed to navigate through everything. Like I've done mobile home parks. I've done um, multifamily mixed use. Besides office, I've done pretty much uh, all category, which is great. But at the same time, when you're doing so many things and you're not expert in any, you know, one field and the brokers get a little bit confused too, like, okay, is this your category or is that your category? So now I know I have a very <clears throat> defined category or very defined buying criteria that I can send to the brokers. So as you as you're doing more and more, you it's almost like a process of elimination of like, you know, knowing this is not for me, or I did not want to do um, larger multifamilies. Like, you know, I did in the beginning, I've done going, to, going through the whole due diligence process and realized this is not really something I personally want to manage. So now, you know, my criteria is uh, retail and industrial, and that's what I would like to stick to. And of course, development. So, so it's a matter of, you know, just starting that momentum once you start with your first one. And then, you know, as, as you start underwriting more and more deals, you just figure out what's right for you. And the sooner you know, you can tell the brokers, you can tell the sellers, or you can start marketing for the specific criteria and um, deal flow starts coming on. That's excellent. That it, it really is, guys. If you listen to that again, because I think what separates investors who can make this thing a full-time thing and and explode their growth is the focus. And Faria focused in on creating that buy box so that it is clear when something comes across your desk, she knows. But also at the same time, she is able to explain that or she can she can show a broker, hey, here's what I want. And if it doesn't fit this, I just don't have the capability or the time to look at all the other crap. So if this checks, you know, if these boxes are checked, I'm going to not only buy it, but like, I'm going to close on it, right? I'm, I want, I'm going to look at it I'm gonna, and I'm going to buy it as long as, as long as we can come to an agreement. I think that's one of the toughest things for, for a lot of new investors is, is figuring out what their buy box is. It really is. You know, the first like two and a half years in with commercial Academy, I, I was, you know, I see somebody else doing this. I'm like, oh, that, that's, I was going for every shiny object. And, you know, the numbers look good and you, you want to go for it. But that not might not be the right thing for you because it's probably in California and I'm not here. And you have to have boots in round. There's a lot of things, a lot of factors that's important. So you need to figure out, you know, anybody who's starting off needs to kind of understand, like, where do you want to start? You know, pick a couple of states, pick a couple of criteria and get focused and just get best at that. And then you can always expand from that. But I think, you know, if you start doing it too many categories in the beginning, it just becomes overwhelming and, you know, you can really lose track of things. Yeah, I think that's one of the, you know, for just being candid, that's one of the things that Matt and I, my partner, we're, we're kind of facing is we're, we're facing an identity crisis right now where it's like, is do we want to do something just because that's what's cool and hot right now? Like, do, is that something we really want to? Because, hey, time, there's only so much time. Are you going to, like, is it, hey, are you going to enjoy managing and owning a mobile home park? Is that something that you really want to do? Because you can do whatever the hell you want to do. Like, if you want to own the, you know, the retail or, you know, some of these larger, then you can, but that you can't be going back and forth on the different things. 
Because okay. that's what that's yeah. right. Because that's where the focus problem comes into play. It does. And, you know, they're very different tenant mix. Your tenant mix for a mobile home park. And then you have a retail that has like Starbucks and uh, I don't know, CVS and Bank of America. It's a very different like that's corporate tenant you're dealing with. And it's, it's a very you know affordable housing. It's a very different tenant mix. And you have to be able to really communicate with both category. And it's not, you know, I'm, I'm, some people are great at doing everything, but that's not me. I, I prefer just, you know, focusing on one. And um, yeah, it's, and you do have to figure out, you know, are you doing it just because it's cool and everybody's doing it? Or it's because you're really passionate about it. Mm-hmm. And that's why, that's what I was saying in the beginning. I'm like, oh, this sounds cool. Or this, you know, and then I kind of realized well, yeah, but it's not something, you know, the, the work that goes into it's something I'm not passionate about and I don't want to do that. So it's just a matter of figuring that out. And it takes time. You know, I don't think you can really get into something and just know next day, hey, I'm just going to do this. I mean, I don't I'm not saying don't try it. Maybe maybe you think you like industrial and maybe you try retail and realize that that's probably for you. So, yeah, it's it's OK to try it. But I think you really need to just figure out what you like really, truly, and what you're passionate about and what goes into the work. Because every category does have a different, like I said, different tenant mix, uh, different type of work that goes into finding those tenants. So it's a matter of, are you willing to do that work? I love that. And I think she just said something, guys, that is just so true because for, for cause this is a tough game. And for you to really continue to push through, you got to have passion for that industry, I, right? So like if you don't have passion for, you know, retail and talking to, and, you know, negotiating leases with a Starbucks, which would be great. But if, but if that's something you don't want to do um, and, and affordable housing is your passion for, you know, because, hey, that's just something that you've seen that you want to, you know, be a part of, you got to figure that out. But I also agree with you that for some people, it may be because you just have to experiment a little bit with the different other industries. And maybe that's you LPing on something. Maybe that's you putting some money into a deal, right? Um, I I heard something that was kind of interesting, Farah, and I wanted your take on it. I think a lot of people who want to get into this business, one of the things that they can do is they can put money into a deal. And Mm -hmm. at the same time, they can learn how that potentially, if you have a, a decent relationship with the operator, kind of how the business works. Do, do you think that's something that people can do to, to get a little bit more information? Absolutely. I mean, my I, I did go in LP in one of my deal um, in the beginning. And my one of the things I wanted from the GP, and I, I had a great relationship with the GP, but you know, you kind of have to put that out there in the beginning that I want to be part of the ride, you know, maybe you get a little bit less on the return or, you know, I, I was willing to do that. And like, I, I didn't, didn't really um, care about exact, you know, how much equity I'm getting, but I wanted to make sure I'm kind of included every step of the way. Cause for me, it was more of investment on my education rather than just getting two more percent on the equity. I love that. And I think that's what people, and it's something that I need to remember. I think anybody listening needs to remember is first off, you want to set that up in the beginning, right? You're not going to go into the deal being, Hey, I want to get on this call with you and the property manager. That's probably not you know, usually we don't, you know, when, uh, when we have LPs in a lot of our deals, we don't necessarily want to, you know, schedule every call with the LPs, but you know, if we know that that's what they wanted. So we just want to have that out there in the beginning. That's it. Set the expectations in the beginning 
because you don't want any surprises. Your, your GP doesn't want those surprises. And again, it may not something they want to do. They might just say, no, that, I'm sorry, we don't do that. But, you know, yeah. certainly, if you, right. I mean, that's fair. It's just, hey, this is the business and you're you're just an equity a limited partner. That's why you're not the GP. But hey, um, anywhere that, uh, Farah, because this was awesome and I, I want to be cognizant of your time. So I, I know we have to wrap up here, but is there um, is there any piece of advice, I guess, that you'd give somebody who maybe just starting off and they're th they're thinking commercial real estate. Is there is there a piece of advice that you would say to somebody that is just starting off? Find a mentor. Mm. Find a mentor is the first thing. Find um, you know a, and start networking with as many commercial investors as possible. Because one of the things, especially let's say you want to come in with no money down, and you know we we always talk about going into deals with no money down. That's great. Um, but here's what we we tell the investors: either find the deal or find the money. Right. So let's say, let's you have new investors who would like not to put any money down, but then you have a great source of deals. Bring the deal to somebody who is doing something similar, and you know, get finders equity. Uh, one of the things that was very important to me in the beginning, I didn't, you know, when I was finding deals, but I, I wasn't sure, you know, if that's what I wanted to, um, or that's the type of deal I wanted in my portfolio yet. Um, I still wanted to start getting equity rather than finding getting finders fee, especially a lot of wholesalers. You know, you already even if you're coming from residential world and you're doing the marketing for wholesaling anyway, and you might get some commercial deal, um, try to get equity instead of finders fee, or get the finders fee and put it right back into the deal as in your equity, because that really helps as far as you building your portfolio. And going back to what I was saying earlier for brokers or other sellers, as soon as you have something on your portfolio, that really changes their attitude towards you. It's it's funny sometimes, but it's like, you know, it really does, you can really see the difference. I love so that. that. That really helps to start building your portfolio, even if it's 1% in off a deal, right? Let's say you find a retail strip that's, I don't know, worth $5 million and you're really putting no money down, but then, you know, you find other investors to really be able to close it, but you just get 1% as a finder's equity or 5%, whatever it is, depending on size and, you know, uh, whatnot. But even one or 5% doesn't matter if it's on your portfolio, the broker doesn't ask you, you know, what percentage you have of the deal. It's right. on your portfolio and, you know, learn the process from the who's actually operating it. That's amazing. Uh, I guys, what really and what I took from that is think long term here. Yeah, you can get that chunk of cash, but you know how much more relationship uh, rapport building you'll have with that GP syndicator is if you say, you know what, I want to put this into your deal because I believe in yeah. you. Do you think that person is not going to bend over backwards now when you have a call with them? Right. It feels respect for you. Absolutely. And oh, by the way, there's confidence now that you're an owner, not just somebody who can make money that anybody can make money in, in different businesses, guys, but being an owner and being a part of that and, and creating that momentum. Golly, Faria, this has been a great show. Thank you. I appreciate you taking the time. And I know everybody that's listening is so very, very thankful that you came on and you took the time. Is there anywhere that if people have questions or they have a deal? Um, and, and it maybe it fits that buy box, which, uh, I'll put in the show notes is, um, if that's something that we want to talk about, maybe we will, maybe we won't, but, um, is there a way that people can find you to maybe talk or to you about your jersey? What's that? You can share my email. Okay. I will. Wow. Okay. Unbelievable. That's amazing. So you just got, 
a connection with someone who has over a hundred million dollars with real estate. So they probably know what they're doing, but don't spam her. Just if you have something that is actual legitimate or <laughs> a real question, I'm sure she'll take the time. But uh, again, I'll share with you, Marie, my buy box. Oh, wow. Okay, that great. Actually more sense. Okay, let's do that. So she's going to give you guys the buy box of what she's looking for. And uh, I know that she'll take the time if you guys have some questions in regards to uh, if there's a deal that she that they you know you have and you want to bring it to her. But again, I want to be cognizant of Faria's time. She's very busy. Again, everybody, thanks for listening. Faria, thanks for coming on. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. All right, guys. See you later. Thanks.